This is the Ellis Martin Report. When you hear us mention companies doing any kind of business, there's a large probability, if not a certainty, that the Ellis Martin Report is compensated for that mention. We're telling you this so you can make your own independent evaluation of these opportunities. Also, as with most leading-edge opportunities, if you can't afford to potentially lose your investment, don't risk it. We make no personal recommendations about any sponsor on this program. We encourage you to do your own research. Yes, we do as much due diligence as possible, but nothing is completely predictable in this big world. Here's an idea. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's easy and it's free. Visit us at ellismartinreport.com. And now, here's Ellis Martin. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Craig Steinke, a major shareholder of Recon Africa, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol RECO and in the U.S. as LGDOF. Recon Africa is a junior oil and gas company engaged in the exploration and development of oil and gas in Namibia. The company holds a 90% interest in a petroleum exploration license in northeast Namibia, which covers the entire Kavango sedimentary basin. The exploration license covers an area of a approximately 6.3 million acres, and based on commercial success, it entitles Recon Africa to obtain a 25-year production license. The Kamengo Basin offers both large-scale conventional and non-conventional play types. Craig, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ellis. Glad to be here. If you don't mind, this is a fascinating story. I'd love you to tell us all about Recon Africa, please. Absolutely. Love talking about Recon Africa. If you don't mind, I'll maybe start by providing a little history as to how we arrived to where we are. Back in 2011, a fellow by the name of Ian Telfer, who is the chairman of Gold Corp, Ian's a very iconic figure in the resource industry, he and I started a company called Realm Energy, and we acquired a lot of very interesting shale acreage in Europe, specifically the Paris Basin. And we brought in ConocoPhillips. They farmed in on us, et cetera. Anyway, the politics started changing in Europe. And we had an opportunity to sell the company, and we thought it would be a smart thing to do, and we did in 2011. All the shareholders did very well. The shareholders were wondering what Ian and I were going to do next in the oil and gas industry. We focused on Mexico because we felt that there's a highly prolific unconventional play in the upper Jurassic shales in Mexico. So we're waiting around for the Mexican government to implement oil and gas reform, which they did in 2013. But anyway, in between those times, I had time on my hands. What I did, being a strong supporter of the unconventionals, I acquired IHS markets worldwide shale study, IHS market being one of the two top or tier one oil and gas databases and research companies. I acquired their shale study. I was one of their first customers and I hired four geologists and a geochemist. We went around the world looking for unique, interesting source rocks or shale place. And we wound up in Northeast Namibia. We only had a scant amount of geological data to suggest that there was a whole new sedimentary basin here that was completely undiscovered. But it was just a scant amount of data, but I had enough confidence to go to the Ministry of Energy, to be back in 2013, to go to the Ministry of Energy in Namibia and start acquiring the land, which turned out to be 6.3 million acres in northeast Namibia. But fortunately, the Namibian government had 
flown a high-quality aeromagnetic survey, and it had never been interpreted. It just sat there at the ministry. And when I found this out, I acquired it, and everybody told me, they said, if you want like the best interpretation done of an aeromagnetic survey, you go see Bill Cathy, president of Earthfields Technologies in Houston. He's Chevron's number one guy. They don't use anybody else around the world other than Bill Cathy. His clients are on Mobile Shell, Total, etc. So I hired Bill. He's a principal guy, by the way. And it took him about six to eight weeks to interpret the aeromagnetic survey. And basically, the aeromagnetic survey very accurately tells you where the basement is. So between the basement and the surface, that's all sedimentary rock. And about maybe six to eight weeks later, Bill phones me up and he says, Craig, are you sitting down for this? He said, I completed the study. And he said, you unequivocally had up to a 30,000 foot sedimentary basin. And he said, Craig, I've been all over the world, looked at every sedimentary basin in the world, and nowhere in the world is there a sedimentary basin 30,000 feet deep that doesn't commercially produce hydrocarbons. So immediately, I cleared my schedule, went directly to the Ministry of Energy in Namibia, in Windhoek, and finalized the acquisition of the lands to where Recon Africa holds the entire right to 6.3 million acres over this sedimentary basin within the Namibian border. But that was back in 2014, and we know what happened to the price of oil, Ellis. It went, took a precipitous dive from $100 a barrel to 30 And so we just put it on the shelf, and we paid the land rentals, and we've been patient, waiting for a more robust oil market to the point where here we are, we rent $60 a barrel. And uh, so the company just went public September 6th. What is the next step? How do we determine how much oil there is there? This is very, very exciting. Well, it is very exciting because I've been all over the world developing oil and gas plays, unconventional, conventional, and never have I ever seen one little company listed on the TSX Venture Exchange that holds the entire rights to the whole sedimentary basin. Never seen that before. And it's the size of the Eagleford. One company. This is one of the reasons why it's extremely exciting. But what we're after is proving an active petroleum system in this basin. And we're very confident that we will, because to the west of Recon Africa's lands is a well, the FT1 well, that's proven in the litholog. There's 150 meters of Permian shales. And then to the south is Shell's big White Hills Permian shale play, where it's one of the top 10 shale plays worldwide of 390 trillion cubic feet of gas. We're just kind of in the middle, and it's the same depositional environment or the same Permian Seaway that has laid these shales, and we're in the middle. So I mean, it almost defy basic geological knowledge or concepts to not to have, for this basin, not to have the Permian shales. So the company is going to drill three wells, this in Q1, Q2, 2020, solely just to establish an active petroleum system. And when they do that, the value of this company is just going to be radically altered. The resource sector itself with regard to mining has been under some duress and stress during the last, I'd say, couple of years, if not longer. What's exciting about oil and gas and energy is that demand will never go away. It's just increasing and the potential cost of going into production is quite different. And in fact, when you discover oil and gas, you can use it right away. You don't have to wait for it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't have a lot of experience in the mining industry, but I do understand that that's one of the challenges is uh, a long lead time to production. But yes, with oil and gas, the first wells you can bring into production. In Namibia, in Africa, again, it sounds remote, but frankly, it's really not that remote. There is 
like four-lane highways on the north side of the property. They're kind of like rolling sand dunes in the Kalahari Desert and easy to drill. Access to the highways and initially the company, based on success, we will truck the oil down into 140 miles away on the highway, down to a place called Group Fontaine, and then they would rail it to the port at Waldus Bay. By the way, I didn't mention this, but Namibia has become one of the exploration hotspots of the world. ExxonMobil, Shell, Total, etc. They're offshore Namibia right now doing a lot of exploration, and that's where they would send their oils down to Waldus Bay. To answer your question, the company would be in production in short order. Based on success, it would sooner than later want to build an infrastructure of pipe, but at least it can start producing oil immediately. How is the company capitalized to put forth the drilling in Q1 and Q2 of next year? Well, as I mentioned, it just went public September 6, raised $3.4 million, and it just announced another financing recently. And I believe it will be well capitalized to drill three wells by Q1, Q2. I should say that since it's become public and the company has become known to the uh, investment community. It's gaining a lot of interest, a lot of interest. And I don't think there'd be too much problem in financing its operations. The risk-reward is just so high. It has been one of the most active companies of late in the junior space on the TSX Venture Exchange, I've noticed. It has been very active recently. Tell us about the team. Well, I'd like to say this, just digressing a little bit. I put the play together, you know, in between our sale of Realm and Ian Telfer and I starting up a company called Renaissance in Mexico to take advantage of the undeveloped opportunities there. So I put the play together. I supported it during the downtimes, but I'm not part of management, nor am I on the board of directors of Recon Africa. I'm uh, very focused jointly with Ian Telfer and a company called Renaissance down in Mexico, where this time last year, Renaissance drilled the first international oil company operated shale well in the history of Mexico. And the company has proven that it's in the sweet spot of a highly prolific shale play. Out of the core, we've got gas and oil percolating out of the shales in the core barrel. So we're very excited about that. And Ian Telfer and I are very focused on developing the shale play in Renaissance. But I'm a very large shareholder in Recon Africa. And how unusual this play is, or the fact that this is such an unusual play, and such a huge opportunity, it's attracted some very interesting people. Jay Park is an oil and gas lawyer, absolute expert in his field internationally. He is the CEO of the company and one of the founding shareholders. And Bill Cathy made reference to him a little earlier. Bill Cathy is a shareholder in the company, by the way. And he's world-renowned for his expertise in aeromagnetics. And interestingly, when I put the play together, or when our team convinced me that we had discovered a new sedimentary basin back in 2013, I know the guys at Halliburton in Houston very well and done business with them for years and specifically a guy by the name of Scott Evans who's a VP of Halliburton Houston. I took the Namibian play to him for a second opinion, Halliburton's second opinion and they are very good at the unconventionals. That's what they do best. And Scott got back to me. They really liked the play and gave it their blessing. And so that would bolster my confidence significantly. But anyway, a month ago, Scott Evans calls me up and says, I'm retiring from Albert and said, how's your Namibian play coming along? And I said, well, it just went public a few weeks ago. And he's joining the company as a result. So a very, very knowledgeable, successful oil and gas professional, particularly in the unconventionals. By the way, one of the founding members is also Dan Jarvie. Dan Jarvie is EOG's former 
chief geochemist. EOG is the largest unconventional oil producer in the U.S., and that means the world. Frankly, Dan Jarvie is one of the four key technical guys that really cracked the code on developing natural gas from the shales at the turn of the century in Mitchell Energy. So Dan is one of the key technical people involved in recall in Africa as well. With that kind of land package, you can literally drill and drill and drill almost indefinitely. Yes, you can. And because the company owns 90% of the land, the NAMCOR, the NLC National Oil Company of Namibia, holds 10%. But because we've got basically all the rights, once the company establishes an active petroleum system, the company is very confident that it will attract attention of one of the majors because it is a major size deal. So the company is very confident that once that happens, if and when that happens, it will bring in a partner to develop the play. And perhaps Recon Africa then keeps 50 and doesn't issue any more shares, but has the play developed for it to a certain level anyway. You've been in the business for a while, so I'm asking you, is this a potential takeout play or would a JV be good enough? Well, you know, you could look at both, but I think a JV is really the way the company should go. And it's going to be up to the shareholders of the company, which I want to realize the true value here. I think shareholders would be lean towards a joint venture. You've got to start with a source rock. You prove that up, which the company is very confident they will. That can be produced. But then also there's the conventional component to this play. That's not even quantified. The company had Sproul Engineering out of Calgary attempt to quantify the amount of oil that would be in place. And it's billions of barrels, of course, but they didn't even touch the conventional. And one of the chief geologists who's on the board of directors, Bill Granath, who's an African an expert. I mean, he's very excited about the conventional component as well. It's barely considered right now, but there's huge potential value there as well. So to get taken out could very possibly do the shareholders a disservice. And I'm sure there's many in our audience who are unfamiliar with Africa and Namibia. So let's talk about any political concerns, geopolitical concerns or what have you. Are there any really? There's always political concerns, but that was one of our criteria when we were doing our tour around the world initially back in 2001. 12, 13, you know, we had to have a politically stable government with the rule of law. And frankly, we saw some absolutely outstanding source rocks in northern Africa and Libya, etc. But like, how do you operate in Libya? Namibia met our criteria for stable political regime, a solid oil and gas regime. And just to touch on that for a moment, Namibia has some of the best oil and gas or fiscal terms worldwide. It's a 5% royalty. Tell us about the share structure of the company. I believe there's 63 million shares outstanding as a result of reverse takeover the company did in September 6th. The company just did a really nice video which introduces the play to investors by way of the website. That's a good introduction to the play. And Bill Cathy of Earthfields Technologies is on the video. And as well, the CEO of Recon Africa, Jay Park, is on. So... I would encourage anybody who's interested in looking into this further to go to the website and look around the website and then also watch that video. Well, Craig, it's great meeting you here on the program. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Yellow Smart Report. It's been a pleasure, Alice. Thank you. I've been speaking with Craig Steinke, a major shareholder of Recon Africa, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol RECO and in the U.S. as LGDOF. To get the complete story and watch the company's video presentation, go to ReconAfrica.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Recon Africa is a paid sponsor of the Ellis Martin Report. Would you like to be one of the first to see who we are following? Subscribe to our audio newsletter. It's free. EllisMartinReport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. 
Join me now for a conversation with David Cole, the president and CEO of EMX Royalty Corp, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange and on the New York Stock Exchange as EMX. EMX is a precious and base metals royalty company whose investors are provided with discovery, development, and commodity price optionality while limiting exposure to the risk inherent to operating companies. EMX has a sizable global portfolio of assets and has currently over $70 million in the treasury and no debt. Dave, welcome back to the program here at the Gold Silver Summits in San Francisco. How are you? I'm doing super well. It's always my pleasure to talk to you. You're one of the star companies here, if you don't mind me saying, and that's because you continue to provide shareholder value. We've sold over 30 projects in the last two years. We sell more projects than all the other prospect generators combined. And I was speaking to a gentleman with Playfair, the CEO of the company, Donald Moore, and he picked up a project from yours in Norway that he's very, very excited about. Oh, that's an interesting asset. In fact, he was just reviewing that with me a couple hours ago over here by the coffee machine and he was going through some of the MMI which is the new type of geochemical techniques that they're using with me and the results therein. It's very interesting. We're excited about that. The fact that we own that project and we're able to sell it to him speaks to one of our models and that is we like to look out into what commodity looks like it's going to be in big demand in the future and we're very excited about nickel and the use of nickel and battery technology and its co-products which include copper and cobalt also great metals to be exposed to. So we've been focusing on acquiring nickel projects in Norway and Sweden. And one of the really good ones those guys acquired and are now working it. And it speaks volumes to the execution of our model. You have sizable copper projects within your portfolio. Let's discuss that. Some really big ones. Yeah, so we're fortunate that we have a royalty over the advancing Timuk project in Serbia, the largest copper gold discovery made in the history of Europe, being advanced by Zhejiang. They just recently signed a memorandum of understanding with the Serbian government, whereby that deposit will be in production in 2021, starting off at 80,000 tons of metal copper produced per annum in 2021. We're excited to be a royalty holder on that property. Speaking of the royalty, although the percentage might be perceived as low, that royalty is quite substantial if things fall into place beginning in 2021, as you mentioned. Well, yes, and these royalties are typically gross. So that's a gross royalty. That's right off the very top. And these are huge industrial projects producing many, many, many tons of mineralization. And we get our slice. In this case, it's a half percent off the top. It's a fantastic model. And what's happening in Nevada? Oh, well, in the Western United States, all told, we have 9,000 mining claims. We are the third largest mineral rights holder in Arizona. We're also a very large mineral rights holder in in Nevada, where we have a whole host of gold projects that we're advancing and getting sold. It's a key area for us to focus. We recently sold off a number of gold projects to a new private company called Gold Line Resources, and they're drilling holes and doing some good work on our properties. Always at no cost to us, we're the royalty holder, but we also have shares in these companies that we sell our projects to, so we can win if they make a discovery via the shares as well as the royalty. So there's several different revenue streams. Am I getting that right? Yes, there are. We collect revenue from advanced minimum royalty payment, stage gate payment tied to project advancement, cash flowing production royalties, all accumulated across the EMX universe. We're bringing in about $5 million U.S. million per annum. We have a share price in Canadian dollars, I believe about a $1.80, and in U.S. dollars is something like $1.40, but yet you still consider your company extremely potentially undervalued. Well, and there's no better way to judge that than by looking at my insider trades. 
I've been buying the stock over the course of the last four years. I bought 100,000 shares last week. That speaks volumes to what I think. Um, yeah, we're distinctly undervalued. You take our market cap and subtract the cash in the bank. And don't forget that we have as much cash in the bank as all the money we've raised in the history of the company, in addition to the 2 million acres of mineral right exposure. So our enterprise value in USD is right around 55 million US dollars. And I believe that does not come close to represent the wealth of mineral right potential within our portfolio and thus my share purchases. When you invest in a company in the junior space and people are investing in your company in a space right now that is somewhat quiet, why do you think they're doing it? Well, it's great to buy counter cyclically. One of the comments that I've heard Rick Rule say that I agree with 100% and that is use the cycles to your advantage rather than be used to buy the cycles. And too often we see people buy at the tops of cycles and sell at the bottoms. You want to be the other guy. You're on the road. You get out there occasionally, you and your team. At these conferences, what is your goal? Mostly or largely it is to communicate with our existing shareholder base to make sure they understand the advancements that we're making within the company, but also to meet new people that are interested in investing. It's a part of our values and part of our culture is to make sure that we communicate to our owners, our shareholders, how the company is advancing. It's my perception of somebody who's been covering this sector for over 20 years that for the sector really to take off, for the price of gold to increase, and certainly that gap between the equities and the physical metals to shrink, new money has to come to the market. You've got to reach generalists. You've got to reach those that are agnostic about how they make money as long as they're making money. That's a very fair comment. I believe that that's a good comment for folks to understand across the industry. And from our own personal perspective, how we try to meet that challenge is to go on the road and meet new folks and shake hands and explain to them what's going on in the business. But always, Investor relations takes a second stage to the fundamentals of growing value in the company. We want the bulk of our time and our intelligence and our money to be investing in acquiring more mineral rights and adding value and getting them sold and adding royalties to the books. It's a balance that has to occur. Me having spent many years in the Southwest and knowing New Mexico and Arizona, California, Utah, and Nevada, you've got a lot going on in Arizona and a project there. We own a lot of mineral rights in Arizona. One particular one I'd highlight, Ellis, is the tailored deposit where they've made a huge discovery. Arizona Mining made that discovery. They sold that to South 32, a major multinational diversified metals company for over a billion dollars. We have the claims on the extension of that deposit. We have a 2% royalty covering those claims being advanced now by South 32. They're drilling on those claims now. They have very high grade results within the Taylor deposit right going on to our property. I'm very bullish about the potential of that royalty in particular. What can we see happening in 2020? We're going to see increased cash flow coming organically from inside our portfolio, in addition to more deal flow, which will hopefully augment the cash flow at the top of our pyramid. It's always good to see you here at the Silver and Gold Summit in San Francisco, California. I look forward to our next visit. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today, Dave. You know, it's always my pleasure to talk to you. I've been speaking with David Cole, the president and CEO of EMX Royalty Corp trading on the TSX Venture Exchange and on the New York Stock Exchange as EMX. Go to the company's website, emxroyalty.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Newsletter. It's free. Go to ellismartinreport.com and fill out the quick and easy pop-up form.
High quality but undervalued mining stocks are finally starting to attract the attention of investors. Get the latest news and resource stock investment opportunities with a subscription to Resource World magazine. Published six times a year, Resource World features in-depth articles on mineral area plays, commodities of interest, and valuable investment insights by highly qualified market analysts, geologists, and mining journalists. Go to resourceworld.com to find out more. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with James Pettit, the president and CEO of Aubin Resources, trading as ABN on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the U.S. as ABNAF. Aubin Resources is a Canadian gold exploration company with significant projects in British Columbia, Saskatchewan, and the Yukon. Jim, welcome back to the program. Thanks a lot, Alice. You have some results out. Let's talk about that. We put out five more holes, so that's a total of eight holes reported on now, and I think we'll probably get to 24, maybe 25 by the time we finish up this year. The holes are longer and a bit steeper, and they're more oriented towards geophysics that we now know is there because we did a geophysical survey back in May, and there's lots of anomalies that we can work with that we see. We basically correlated that with the drilling from last year and the year before and then overlaid the geophysics on it. And we can kind of see a correlation between certain types of these anomalies. So that's what we're testing as we move south. We're outside of the high-grade core of the north boundary zone. We're just heading south of it. We tested around the old Noranda hole a bit and some of the geophysical anomalies there. And then as we head, that's about 300 meters south. And now we head even a little bit further because there's some interesting targets to work with. And we're actually doing some serious exploration work right now to get a handle on what we're looking at and what we've got there because we're in an area that's really highly mineralized throughout the whole boundary zone. We're starting to look at things more like alteration. We're well into quartz searsite alteration with some potassic alteration showing up in it, which gives us maybe an idea that there's a heat source nearby as you get more into the potassic alteration. So what we've got going on now is pretty exciting exploration work. I know the market wants to hit more high grade, but after drilling 30 some odd holes in the north boundary zone, we know what we have there. We're trying to reach out further from it and find out where it came from. Because when you get that type of alteration, quite often you're within a thousand meters of a source. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I think we've got 16, 17 more holes to report on. Anything can happen. I mean, we were very fortunate last year to come out in the very first hole with the results we did. I think the market was highly anticipating us to do a start like that again, but this is why it's called exploration. If you can figure out where it all comes from, your chances of success are that much greater. But still, when you're hitting south in a different direction of the forest curve and you come up with grades of 19.85 grams per ton, that's not too bad, is it? That's very good, yeah. We're waiting for lots of results from the labs. It's a long wait, but we know we're going to hit more. There's certain holes that we probably won't just visually. We kind of get it, but there's lots that are. And even trying to rush assays now, they won't rush anymore. The labs are so busy, they just won't do any rush. We're going to end up with a timeline releasing results probably through to the end of October. Well, you just answered my next question, so more to come. Lots more. Jim, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining me today in the program. Anytime. Thanks. I've been speaking with James Pettit, the president and CEO of Aubin Resources, trading as ABN on the TSX Venture Exchange and in the U.S. as ABNAF. Find their logo on our website, ellismartreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Subscribe to the Ellis Martin Newsletter. It's free. Go to ellismartinreport.com and fill out the quick and easy pop-up form. Join us next time for more opportunities to discover on the Ellis Martin Report. Meanwhile, subscribe to the Ellis Martin Report. It's easy and it's free. Visit ellismartinreport.com.